Hey college kids, welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? Today's episode is part one with Mayu from Princeton University. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe and check out my blog, collegerealitycheck.com and follow me on Instagram at underscore a college kid underscore. Hope you enjoy. Hey, college kids, welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Mayu. So if you could introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, Camilla. Um, as Camilla said, I am Mayu. I'm a current uh, third year at Princeton University, and I'm based in Athens, Georgia. Um, so right now I'm a 20-year-old woman. I was born in Japan, and that's where I lived um, until I was around five years old. Um, since then, I've kind of traveled and lived in various places, but I grew up mostly on Long Island, New York. Um, yeah, my family, um, I have one younger brother and two parents, um, when we would say we're uh, around upper middle class, but um, yeah, we've grown up as immigrants and now based in Athens, Georgia. Um, at Princeton, I'm studying public and international affairs with a focus on climate and environmental policy. But outside of that, I'm also doing minors in um, data analysis and machine learning, as well as some philosophy and also environmental science. So I'm excited to be here. That is quite a handful of stuff to be studying. Okay, so let's start from the very beginning. You did give a little bit of background on your family. What about the, let's start with the expectations for you growing up with higher education, either from your parents, your school or yourself. What were you expecting to achieve when you went to high school and eventually with college? Were you aiming for the top university in the world? No, actually. Um, I would say that I'm really thankful that I've grown up with, I mean, in terms of pressure from my parents, um, it was mostly that they wanted me to find a place where I can study and be happy um, studying whatever I was passionate about. And personally, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up um, as I was young and also growing older. And so I think going into high school, I was really just trying to explore different passions and avenues and activities, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Mm -hmm. um, and I think going into the application process, I, I I guess I applied to not that many schools, but they were mostly places where I felt like I could yeah, have that breathing room to explore because I'm still looking for what I want to do and pursue as my passion in life. Mm -hmm. And can you tell me about the high school that you went to? What was it? Was it a public high school, private? And then what kind of courses did they offer? Did they offer all those, you know, APs, IBs, honors that college is like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here I think it'll be helpful to take a step back and talk about where I was in New York um, okay. because the transition over was um, it happened right before I started high school. And so um, where I grew up on Long Island, I was in a very small school. It was a, a public school with about 90 people in each grade, and it was all K through 12. And so I grew up in a very tight knit community there. And I would say that school was um, especially strong in the music program. And so I did that. Um, it was a regular public school with not like a conservatory, but I did I played violin growing up and I also was taking classes um, because it was a small school. They offered opportunities to kind of take advanced courses. And when I was in elementary school, I was taking um, I was enrolled in a small class that 
you have to test to get into and it allowed us to have like creative courses where we could like we spent some classes building bridges or um, doing independent research type projects. We made kites during one unit of science and it was a lot of fun, but I think um, that sort of set me up for going into high school. And for that, I was in a public high school in Georgia. Um, it was much bigger. We had around 300 people in each grade and the school, um, yes, offered a variety of AP classes Um no IB classes. And so I did take a variety of AP courses going in. Um, so I took classes like AP language literature. Um, I also took Latin and um, AP calculus and um, biology and a couple others. But I would say throughout it all, um, the school itself is not a very competitive high school, though. Um, I think in the past, uh, the year before me had one other student go to Princeton, but and from my class, there were two people who went to Yale. But I would say other than that, most people are uh, going to the University of Georgia, um, the University of North Georgia. And um, yeah, so we've got a lot of yeah stuff going on. So I just have a quick question. When you moved from New York, Long Island to Georgia, can you like, I don't know if it affected your academic performance, but was it a rough transition? Like, cause not even you're moving to the state next to you, you're moving to the other, like from the North to the South. So was it a hard adjustment for you because you probably didn't know anyone there? Yeah, I would say it was definitely a tough transition and mostly because I was definitely on the shy side growing up, um, especially coming from a very small school. And so, I mean, even before thinking about all the academics and school, um, yeah, it was definitely a big transition to have to go from having 90 people in a grade where I knew everybody to a school of yeah, 1,200 people total where um, with um, I am in a fairly like predominantly white suburban area now in Georgia. And so, I mean, that even that was a very big transition. And and so, yeah, going into freshman year of high school, I had to go through that process of getting to know everybody and kind of figuring out where my place is in the school and also what I want to do. I would say, though, that this whole transition really, I mean, threw me into a completely different environment. And that kickstarted me into just having the space to explore a lot of different interests. Um, and that was where got a lot more active with um, like the math team that I was a part of at um, in Georgia. And I also explored some interests in like the medical field and healthcare mm -hmm. and also taking on a variety of more leadership roles. So happy to get more into that as well. Yeah. And when you went into, we'll definitely get into extracurriculars. I just want to get through like high school stuff and then maybe a little bit of grades and then extracurriculars. So going into high school, yeah, like when you started high school, was it automatically like college prep, I need to start thinking about this? Did you set up like, oh, I'm going to try out a bunch of these extracurriculars and then find a few to commit to? Did you have like a clear cut plan when you came into high school? Or was it more like last minute junior year, you're like, oh, God, I, I have to actually start thinking about this stuff now? Yeah, I would say the mindset I had was that I wasn't specifically planning anything for my college application. Um, I think I was really fortunate in that I was I had the space to really pursue passions through extracurriculars that I was interested in. And um, yeah, so going into high school, I wasn't planning that out. I was mostly just trying out the tennis team, for example, to meet people being in this new school. And 
similarly with a lot of other clubs. And even going into junior year and senior year, it just, I think looking back, it ended up happening that uh, a lot of the initiatives that I had poured myself into ended up being things that I could tell stories about on my college application. And um, I was able to connect the dots looking back. That's great. So let's quickly go through the stats, like grades and stuff like that. So you did mention that you didn't want to share exact numbers. So do you want to just share like where you fell in relation to the class? Were you in the top 10% and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what about um, standardized test scores like SAT, ACT? Yeah, sure. So within the grade of around 300 people, I was, um, I ended up being the top of the class. Um, Ooh, you're valedictorian? Yes, I was. Okay. Um, and I mean, each school has a lot of different ways of weighting different classes and stuff like that. Uh, but I would say like, that's, yeah, I never like was aiming to be at the top of the class. It was mostly, yeah, what happened. I enjoyed the classes I was taking and was able to, um, yeah, enjoy my experiences with them. So that's what ended up happening. And in terms of standardized test scores, I, I only took the SAT and I scored in like the high 1500s. And in addition to that, I also took some SAT subject tests because they were uh, recommended for, um, I mean, Princeton and a couple other colleges. Um, so I took those in math and a couple sciences. Wait, let's I- pause there, pause there. So SAT subject tests, if if you know, what is the point of them? Like, first of all, how do you even find out about them? How do you know which ones to take? Because it's not clear cut like the SAT or ACT. So yeah, why do we need to take them? And then how do you choose which ones to take? Yeah, that's a great question because I would not have known about this if it weren't for some um, family friends that I had who pointed me towards this. And also um, some of the college-specific websites list them as recommended criteria. But yeah, to back up, the subject tests are... Um, yeah, as the name suggests, they're more uh, subject-focused SAT, like standardized exams. And so, um, whereas the regular SAT exam covers English and kind of reading, writing, and um, and math and stuff like that, the subject tests cover other topics like chemistry or biology or physics. Um, there's also like subjects tests specific to math and um, a variety of others. and I guess for context, I'm talking about my application experience, which was in 2018, 2019. Um, But yeah, I think some colleges have used them in the past to get a better sense of people's, I guess, expertise or knowledge in a specific content area, um, in addition to what the SAT covers. And in terms of figuring out if and which ones to take, um, a lot of colleges will include this in their website that has their standardized testing requirements. And I think they'll usually just suggest that you take subjects either in areas related to a potential major or just areas where you've taken extra courses or um, had additional experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. But they're not like absolutely necessary. Like do most high school students take it? Do you know that? I there were decent number of people who took them, but based on my high school where most people are going to the University of Georgia, uh, for example, um, 
I would say the UGA specifically does not require them, I believe. And even for Princeton, if I remember correctly, they were just strongly recommended. And I'm not sure what the status now is, but I think in general, they're not absolutely mandatory and they're not as necessary as the regular SATs and ACTs. Okay, so we've kind of gotten through the GPA, SAT, stuff like that. So let's move on to extracurriculars. You threw a lot at me and I like remember only a few of them. So can you go through each one that you did and, you know, as much detail as possible, like what was your role responsibility in the extracurriculars, how long you did those for, because colleges like to see you doing for like a long time, stuff like that. So like, what did you contribute to it? How long did you do it for? Did you hold any leadership positions as well? Sure. Yeah. So I would say over time, I was involved in a variety of extracurriculars, mostly just exploring things, but I, I'll go into detail for a couple of them and give some info about the others. So to start off, I would say looking back, my biggest commitment was with the math team. Um, we called it several different things, but I'll just refer to it as the math team. Um, and this math was definitely a strong interest area for me like growing up and also going to high school and throughout. Um, and um, so it's something that I had dabbled in a little bit through my time in middle school in New York, um, where we did some like individual and team competitions in the local area. But I think as I moved to high school, I noticed that there weren't as many opportunities to participate in math team at my high school in Georgia. And, but even then, I was still really interested in continuing to be involved, and I felt like kind of I felt like creating that opportunity would be something that's beneficial not only for me but also for some other people in my school had who had similar interests. And so, essentially, I was I guess starting at like square two uh, because there was a program in the middle school in the same district where there was a math teacher who was coaching some middle school um, math contests, competitions. It's called Math Counts in the area. Um, And so what I did after moving to Georgia was get in touch with that coach, um, the teacher who was coaching the math team in middle school. And I contacted him and spoke to him a little bit about my interests in math competition and considering opportunities to set something similar up at the high school. And yeah, we got the conversation started. And for my freshman year, um, we what we did was um, I was working with that coach to kind of put out messages into the high school student body to s- gather interest. Um, and we had around a dozen people, I would say, who were interested in traveling to competitions over weekends and yeah, participating in competitions locally, but also around the state. And so what we would do is uh, we would get registrations for each competition and that coach, the middle school coach, would accompany us um, on trips and go compete. Um, and so that was a lot of the first year and also the second year, I think. Um, of course, we went through a recruitment cycle and had a more solid group of people um, who would compete with us. And then going into, I think, junior year and senior year, I took on like a more formal leadership role there in terms of like coordinating regular meetings, specifically specifically with the high school. Um, We finally got a high school teacher to start advising us as the team. And 
Um, and so we would hold like practices and also start becoming more active in these um, competitions across the state. Um, but I guess looking back, the one big thing that we like organized and hosted was this thing we called the um, local elementary school math competition. Um, so this was less focused on our own competition at the high school level, but rather it was um, an event that we so- set up, coordinated for students in our elementary schools across the district because, um, yeah, elementary schools typically have fewer opportunities for students to enjoy math in a fun way, um, experience it outside the classroom. And um, I and uh, a fellow high schooler at another school in our district was really interested in opportunity for these little students. And so for the entire summer before senior year, we were getting together meeting um, and we got a group of around two dozen high school students to volunteer. And what we did was we um, yeah, got in touch with some high school teachers, but also elementary school teachers. And uh, we we set up this event that involved, yes, some like math competition elements, but also some like fun booths where we were like bringing together puzzles or like logic games or um, yeah, like Rubik's cubes and um, other like ciphers and puzzles and um, like decoding mysteries and stuff like that, that can like little tools that can be used to pique little kids interest in math um, in ways that aren't typically explored in the classroom. And yeah, so organizing this, I would say is a big um, example of what, I did as a leader within this math team community at high school. And yeah, that happened in the spring of my senior year. And um, it was a lot of fun. And one like a quick question. So a lot of, and I would know this myself and like my friends as well, as a high schooler, I mean, you don't, at that point, you've never really done anything. Like you haven't started organizations. You haven't started a business of your own. Most people haven't. Right. So when it comes to reaching out to people, gathering interests, finding a sponsor or like, you know, reaching out to your community, how did you do that? Was it simple as just sending an email out, sending a bunch of emails out, seeing who was interested or was it more like connections or like how, how were you able to have people come to you and make it an actual thing happen? Yeah, that's a great question. And I was definitely, um, Lucky. So I think earlier I mentioned that at my school in New York, um, the school was very supportive in terms of taking more advanced courses. And so I came into high school, I think, taking math courses that were a little bit above my grade level. And the way that relates to this is that I was able to take um, the AP Calculus course uh, fairly early on. Um, This was my sophomore year of high school when people typically take it in junior or senior years, if at all. Um, and so through taking the AP Calculus course, I yeah developed a pretty cr- close relationship with the AP Calculus teacher um, at my high school. And he was, I mean, first of all, he's a great teacher. and um, But even more than that, he's really enthusiastic about math and helping other people learn. And that like passion radiated on me, but also um, he was willing to put in a lot of time towards being the advisor for the math team. And so he was definitely someone who helped a lot in terms of creating these connections. And um, I mean, in terms of 
building up the initial team and getting interest from the high school side. Um, he, as an AP calculus teacher, he knew a lot of students who were really interested in um, taking part in math at a high level um, beyond the classroom. And so that was really helpful. And in terms of coordinating this elementary math tournament, he was also really helpful in terms of reaching out to these um, teachers and administrators at the elementary schools. And, and I mean, he was the one who created the space for us to meet and prepare and um, set up this tournament. Okay. Okay. And for college app purposes, when you were writing down the specific extracurricular, what, I mean, what did you write down? Cause they say you can't like have an entire paragraph. It's only a few bullets dedicated to each extracurricular. So what did you write down for the colleges to see? Yeah. Um, so tracing back my memory here, um, I think that I've emphasized two big things. One was the fact uh, one was like the magnitude of reach, I think, in terms of how many people were um, like reached and involved and participated in this um, event specifically. And so I think having specific numbers here is really helpful for like colleges to see, um, was it just like a close, really like um, a small type of event or was it something that reached dozens or hundreds of people? Um, because that shows how, I guess, strong the, you put your potential is in terms of like reaching people. Um, and so that was one thing that I mentioned. Let's say the other is um, the fact like the specific role that I was taking on and, um, and what that involved. So I mentioned that I was one of the two students really coordinating a spearheading effort. But in addition to that, I guess I added more details about what that involved and what that leadership actually looked like. And so um, for me, it involved a lot of, um, yeah, like coordinating meetings and, and delegating responsibilities, I think, is a big thing that um, was part of my role, but also that I emphasized um, because I think beyond just being the leader, I think it was really important that um, the leader kind of inspires other people to also be leaders, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of sharing that, passion and inspiration and and having that continue is really important and yeah so I think those are two big things that I emphasized so let's move on to other extracurriculars what else did you do because this sounds really big like you reached out to a lot of people so what other extracurriculars did you do as well yeah so I would say the other yeah big one is HOSA Uh, this is kind of short for future health professionals. And so this is a student group that already existed at my school for people interested in pursuing careers in medicine. Um, what does HOSA stand for? Long story short, it's not technically an acronym. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think it used to be, sorry, this is going to be a tangent, but it used to be the Health Occupation Students of America. But for various reasons that I don't know, the state decided to, or the organization decided to rename it, rebrand as future health professionals. And we're just HOSA, that it's not an acronym. Okay. Okay. Just okay. Back on, back on track. (laughs) Yeah. So HOSA is, um, yeah, I think, so at my school, I'd say there's also a lot of resources that go into what are called, um, 
I don't remember what the technical term is, but it's OCTAE. It's like career, technical, and agricultural education. And so it's more of like pre-career pathways for people to take courses and kind of explore different options for um, yeah, careers moving forward. And one of the tracks there is healthcare. And so there's a pathway of three courses that people interested in medicine take. And a lot of these students also end up in HOSA, the student group that goes with that. And so were you in this program to take specific courses? Yes, I was. I was on a slightly delayed timeline compared to other people, I think, just because um, sometimes I wasn't able to get the schedule, the classes I wanted on my schedule. But yes, I did finish out that pathway. And was it like a specific program that you put separately on your college app? Or was it just more in junior year, I took these couple classes, senior year, I took these classes that were related? The latter. So yes, I took the intro to healthcare course and then the um, the intermediate course and then the final one. Um, yep. And so, yes, as I started taking that, those three classes, I, I joined HOSA, which is the student group. And this is all like an existing program led by the healthcare instructors. And the, I guess, big marquee event that HOSA does is participate in a statewide competition that involves um, yeah, it's a it's a big event that's statewide and has similar organizations in other states as well. Um, but like the whole year, we're preparing for this competition, and um, in March we get to go into Atlanta, Georgia, to compete. Um, so that's the big thing. But aside from that, well, well tell uh, us what the competition's about. Like, what do you guys do? Yeah, so there are so many events, um, probably several dozen, and. I, across the years, I participate, yeah, I'll step back. I participated in HOSA all four years throughout high school. Um, the first couple years as just a regular member. Um, no, that's not right. First year, I was a regular member. The second year, I was secretary of the group. And then for the last two years, I was serving as president. Um, and across those four years, I participated in this um, state conference for HOSA, Um I think the first two years I participated in an event called medical math. Um, it was a lot about um, calculating dosages and knowing um, like medical inputs and outputs in terms of what patients could drink and eat. And um, it was also about like figuring out times and um, yeah, just calculation based things. Um, I tried this event out because I did have an interest in math and also medicine, and I felt like it was the good intersection between the two. Um, and then the next year I tried, it was like medical terminology. It was, um, I had taken Latin um, in hopes that it would sort of help with learning this medical terminology, um, not specifically for this HOSA competition, but beyond that. And yeah, so I did that. It was a lot about memorizing medical terms and knowing suffixes and prefixes and all that fun, really fun stuff. Um, and I would say, yeah, doing, and then senior year I participated in, it was more of a like prepared research speech type event where I believe I was researching like, um, like artificial organs, um, but I, I can't tell you much about that mostly because I don't remember the details. Um, it was just a quick speech that I put together. And 
um, yeah, I, I didn't end up like placing super well with any of these events. It was more just the experience. And, and as the president, I was helping like coordinate and help other people with prepare preparation as well. And um, just a quick question about the competitions. Were they more, you said the senior year you gave a speech, but for the other years, was it more like, I don't know, people from different schools would do kind of a not trivia, but like they would ask you questions and see who could get the most right. Is that what the competition was like? Um, for medical math and medical terminology, no, they were more written exams. And so oh, it, it was like, like a whole exam. Yes, it was. Um, yeah. So I was participating in events where um, they would put a lot of, they would put everyone from across the state taking part in this event into one big room and we were all, yeah, using pencil and paper to sort of like fill out, sort of mm-hmm. answer multiple choice questions. But there are other events that are more of the type that you described where it's like trivia or, um, yeah, it's like a team of three or four and they go up and um, compete to see who can get more answers right about like the history of HOSA or stuff like that. Okay, okay. And do you want to give any more information about HOSA? Yeah, sure. Um, so... Let's say, like so what this, you did, what you did with HOSA yeah. throughout high school. Yeah. Yes, happy to. Um, so besides this event, we also do some activities that are more local and more service oriented as HOSA. And so I think sometimes we would organize trips to the local um, like retirement homes. And um, this was mostly events where we could invite some high school HOSA students and have them like play games with people who are like retired in the community and just have a fun time. Um, and then we've also coordinated uh, like it was a dance slash medical awareness event at the middle school. And so this also involved a lot of planning in terms of reaching out and coordinating with like middle school administration um, here. Uh, what really helped with planning was that, the middle school administrator who was in charge of this had actually formerly been a healthcare teacher at the high school. And so we had that connection there. Um, But besides that, it was involved a lot of like creating materials and kind of setting up the decorations in the middle school and also preparing little booths where we helped teach middle school students about CPR or different like careers in medicine or even just like safety on the road, like putting on the seatbelt and just a variety of things there. And um, of course, in order to fund all of these opportunities, HOSA took on some fundraising activities throughout the year. Um, but most of this was related to, um, you know, just sort of like around the seasons or the holidays, we would um, do sales of like, like baked goods. And at one point, I think, we sold like poinsettia flowers for the Christmas season. Um, yeah, so there was a mix of stuff there. Um, I guess one more thing that we did as HOSA was um, when hurricane um, when there was a hurricane in the fall of 2019, um, yeah, we as HOSA came together to really mobilize the entire community um, locally to, to help raise funds and, and get that to people in Southeast Georgia. And so here um, we co- like connected with the principal of the high school who, um, who helped us connect with other principals of all the other schools in the school district. And yeah, we 
kind of spearheaded a campaign through social media and also through football games because it was conveniently football season. And we just got the message out there and and raised some funds to send towards uh, the hurricane victims. You did so much in high school. Oh, my God. Okay. And then again for college, what did you write on your college app? That's a lot. What did you write on your college application? Because there's no way there's enough room for all of that. Yeah, I think, um, I guess overall in terms of, I guess you can call it a strategy for building up the college application. It It's a lot about creating one coherent story. And from everything I've said so far, you can probably gather that I did not have a very coherent story or it didn't feel coherent to me at the time because I had done stuff in math like over here and um, and then stuff with healthcare and medicine. Um, and I also like played on the tennis teams and played violin throughout. Um, so it felt like there was a lot of stuff here and there. Um, but I think a lot of it involves knowing which prompts you want to use or sorry it's the other way around because you you're gonna have to write these essays and short answer questions and um, that already have prompts and then on the other hand you have a lot of experiences in your I guess toolbox that you want to share with the admissions office and it's a matter of matching them up so matching the prompts to the to moments and experiences that you've had in a way that makes sense Um, so Um, I know a lot of colleges, and I think on the Common app, there's a space to just list just extracurriculars and describe them there. But that's definitely not enough space to get into all the details. So I was like, how were you going to write everything you did on the college app? Right. And it's not just me. And I mean, I'm sharing highlights here. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of people that, I mean, and one other thing I'll say right now is that... um, Things that we share on our college applications don't need to be all, all all of these like flashy events or these huge initiatives that you've taken on, but it's really more about like moments that have made you who you are. And so, um, yeah, I would say on that, I would just say that things might seem like insignificant if you're looking if you're trying to think about it from the reader's perspective, but all throughout this application, what the admissions committee, I think, wants to see is like who you are as a person and kind of like how you learn, how you grow. And that will help show like the potential you have in terms of where you might go through college and beyond. And so getting that story across is more important. It's not just about throwing all of your accomplishments onto the page. Um, But yeah, in terms of how I fit all of this stuff into my application, I I guess I can talk a little bit about how I went through the process of doing this. If that would be- Well, let's go to the actual like, college application thing a little, like in a little bit. I just want to finish up with extracurriculars. Yeah. After that, we're going to go on to the actual application part. So can okay. you do a run through of your other extracurriculars? You did say tennis and music. You've been interested for a long time. You said even when you were like on Long Island. Yeah. So I guess starting with tennis, it's something that I had played tennis for mostly fun um, while in middle school um, with friends and on the the team. Um, Since we had such a small school, there was only a varsity team. And so everyone ended up on the varsity team and that's where I was. Um, And then coming into high school, I, yeah, I continued playing for the school team. Um, I started out on the junior varsity team 
Um, and I think by the time I was in junior year, I was playing on the varsity team. Um, but yeah, I would say it's not like our school was super strong. It was more of a fun thing where I met some friends and um, yeah, had a lot of fun. And as for violin, yep, you're right. I started violin when I was in first grade and was playing um, all throughout elementary school and middle school. And when I was in New York, I would say I had definitely a couple close friends who were really, really advanced um, in music. And um, and like I said, our school had a really strong music program. And so we would have orchestra classes and meet essentially every day. And we had some small ensembles. Um, I think while I was there, I, I helped coordinate bringing together an octet. So this was eight string players. And we hosted a performance at, um, yeah, at some of our school concerts separate from what was taught through the regular orchestra. Yeah, I continued that because it was, again, a lot of fun and I enjoyed just making music with my friends. Um, and then coming into Georgia, I'd say this was a fairly big transition because there was not an orchestra at my high school. And so that felt like... Yeah, it was a little bit jarring, I think. Um, we even considered different schools in the area that had orchestra programs um, just for the sake of being able to play in an orchestra at the school. But um, we ended up deciding that it would be fine not to do that um, because, uh, yeah, because it was fine. And we ended up finding alternatives in the local area. So I played in the community orchestra, the uh, local youth orchestra and I did that for all four years. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Is that, that are those all the extracurriculars that you want to share with us? Yeah, I would, I would add that I've also been like been to one meeting of the debate team and also seen a little bit of the Science Olympiad, but um, those are more just things I was slightly interested in, explored for a little bit, but decided I wasn't super interested in. So. Okay, so before we, I keep saying we're going to get to it, we will get to it. But first, 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 let's go to the colleges that you decided upon and then your college application because you were probably centering it around them a little bit. So tell me, when did you start focusing on like what colleges you specifically wanted to go to and what did you do? Did you just do a Google search one day and say like, oh, best colleges for medicine, best colleges for math? Like, how did you come upon your list and did you visit any of those schools as well? Yeah, so. I guess in terms of timeline, um, our family did move from New York to Georgia in the summer before my freshman year of college and, or sorry, my freshman year of high school. And we did a road trip down um, south from New York to Georgia. And so on that way, we stopped by some schools in the Northeast. Um, I know for sure we stopped by Princeton. And when I say stopped by, I mean, we uh, drove to the parking lot got out for like five minutes to see the gym and got back into the car because it was I think really hot um, and we also I think drove through um, I think we swung by some schools and I think we stopped by like Harvard and a couple others but I don't remember for sure uh, but that was when I guess I started just vaguely thinking about these different schools and that mostly that they exist, um, to keep them in the back of my mind. Um, and in terms of figuring out what actual colleges I wanted to apply to, I started this process, I would say, very late in my 
yeah, like halfway or very late into my junior year and was thinking more actively about it through the summer before senior year because all throughout, I really clearly remember not being sure where I wanted to apply. Um, For the entire process, I honestly felt like I didn't really know where to look or what I was looking for. And so, I mean, I had known about Princeton and being living 15 minutes away from the University of Georgia, that was definitely on my radar. And, um, and I had people at school encouraging me to look into Georgia Tech, um, the Georgia Institute of Technology, because it's strong in STEM areas and I liked math. So there you go. Um, and, but I, I, yeah, looking back, I did not apply to that many schools. And, um, and so I would say, yeah, UGA, Georgia Tech, and Princeton were like the main ones I had considered. Um, say during one summer in my high school time, I had also gone to a like math summer camp in Williams College. And so that helped me kind of learn about that program. Um, But yeah, when I was looking for college, I started out with that very, very short list and um, branched out from there as they came up. But in the end, I I did not apply to more than five schools. Oh, wow. Were you confident that you were, did you apply to any like safety safeties that were like 70, 80% acceptance? Yeah, um, I guess I think in my mind, UGA was a safety school because um, there's a program at my high school where you can dual enroll, which means that you can take classes at the University of Georgia as a high school student. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a perk of just living so close. And I personally hadn't done that program, but I knew a lot of others. I had a lot of friends who had and um, and based on like their admissions decisions to that program, um, yeah, I felt like I would be able to get into UGA. So, yeah. Okay, okay. So, I guess you've kind of like selected your schools. Now let's go into college application. Here we are. So, let's see where to start. Let's start with the small stuff. Recommendation letters. It's very simple. You know, who did you get them from? Did you ask them like, oh, can you specifically write about this? Can you specifically write about that? And, you know, I've learned about this new thing called a brag sheet where you like write down stuff for your teacher and, you know, specific memories, anecdotes and such. So did you do that or was it more like a please write my recommendation letter for me? Yeah. So I yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing about that term brag sheet, but I did do something similar. Um, So I guess first thinking out the process of just figuring out who to ask recommendations letters for um, or from. in my mind, it was clear that I would be asking my math teacher, the one who I had built a really strong relationship with through the math team. and The calculus one? Yes, the calculus teacher. Um, I'm still close with him. And so it's, yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah, so he was a clear choice. Um, I would say beyond that, um, I did also have strong relationships with, um, with other teachers. Um, so... One teacher that I asked was my, um, let's see, I'm trying to remember. I think looking back, this is just context for you all, because I do not remember exactly who I asked for which college applications, because I remember that there were like specific requirements in terms of getting recommendation letters from your subject area or um, even like 
getting it from a teacher versus someone who's seen you outside the classroom in like extracurriculars and stuff like that. So yeah, full context, I do not remember who I asked for which ones. But um, through HOSA, I also built a close relationship with my healthcare advisor and teacher. And so um, she's someone that I asked for a couple recommendation letters. Um, I also was close, relatively close with um, my like language, AP language teacher, because she had also taught um, a, a research-based class that I took. Um, and yeah, I would say those were the big teacher recommendation letters that I used um, across my applications. Um, I also remember asking the tennis coach who also had been my literature teacher earlier in high school. Um, and and then there was also a point where I asked my high school principal for a recommendation letter. Um, through I had no idea you had to ask this many people for recommendation letters. Oh, I thought it was like you pick a STEM teacher and then a humanities teacher and that's it. Yeah, oh. I would say it's definitely not the norm. And I, the, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, the average is definitely two. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, definitely don't freak out about it. It's later on, I think beyond college, some, some applications require, yeah, close to a dozen application or recommendation letters, but for college, mm-hmm. it's usually two, I think, plus an extracurricular if you want that. Um, but yeah. So across all of these people that I mentioned, I sort of like mixed and matched based on either content that I was trying to get at in my application essays or if I was interested in um, in like specific programs, but that's definitely not the accurate way of putting it. Um, it's mostly that like since I was a, I applied to Princeton as a math major, even though I'm not studying that anymore. Um, and so I like definitely knew I wanted to ask my math teacher for a recommendation letter for Princeton. Um, Stuff like little things like that. And with recommendation letters, when you ask your teacher to write them, you don't see what they write. Do they just like send it off to the school immediately? Is there some sort of portal that they can send it through? Yes. So you're right that I didn't see any of the rec letters that my teachers had written. Um, And for the Common App, for example, which is the common application portal for that a lot of colleges use, there's a space to just enter the email address for your teacher and their name and kind of your relationship with them. So you'd like type in that this person was my AP calculus teacher, for example, and they get a link to submit their letter directly through that. Oh, okay. 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 So let's move on to the essays of college application. Let's start with the big one, the huge 600, 650 word one. So what did you write about? What was what was the question that you selected and what did you end up writing about? Like what extracurricular, what experience, what story? Yeah, I'm going to have to apologize up here uh, up front because I do not remember ex- like specifically what. And I tried to look for my application, but it seems like I've gotten rid of it. So um, what I do remember, though, is in the process of preparing all of these essays, the short ones and the long ones, I... I really didn't treat them separately. Like I didn't place really special weight on the long essay just because it was longer. And the process I went about and the reason why I'm having difficulty remembering is because I started off by 
just really brainstorming moments and experiences from my experience, like from my life that I wanted to get across in my application. So this included, for example, the, um, like the HOSA event I was telling you about earlier, where we hosted a like awareness event at the middle school. Um, it also included, um, I remember like the last night before I moved from New York to Georgia, because it was a time where we were just like celebrating super emotional and it kind of embodied that transition for me, um, moving out of this small town into the big place, the big unknown of Georgia. Um, and it was also other stuff like moments I had had with my AP calculus teacher in the classroom that kind of embodied my passion for math, but also for like learning and kind of curiosity and, and how this teacher helped build that within me. Um, so yeah, I'm like thinking about how I brainstormed these different moments and thought about how they could deliver certain aspects of my personality and, um, from there, I was picking and choosing like which prompts they would go with because the prompts are really all set up to be really broad and vague. Um, you can really twist them into specific directions to to help get your stories across. Um, I guess the warning here is that you do want to answer the prompt that you're answering. You don't want to just talk about something that's completely unrelated, but sometimes prompts are asking you to describe a moment when you feel like you learned something. Um, of course, I'm paraphrasing here, but um, yeah, you're telling, talking about a moment that's shaped who you are, and that can really be anything. Um, or if they're asking you to talk about a person that's inspired you, um, they're really wanting you to talk about how that person inspired you and in what ways you've grown because of that interaction. And so yeah, all of these prompts come back to who you are and they're very vague. So um, yeah, sorry, I don't have like oh, specific. Oh, that's, that's all right. That's all right. And what about the supplemental essays? Do you remember like maybe vaguely what you wrote for those or what maybe like the why us essay? Do you remember what you wrote for those essay, those kinds of essays? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I do remember the one I wrote for Princeton in terms of why Princeton. Um, oh, yeah. Share, share that one. What did you write about? Because you got into Princeton. <laughs> yeah. And so, like I said, I applied to Princeton as a perspective math major because I, I mean, growing up, I loved being just like engaging in even conversations about math with other people and kind of thinking through how there are like so many angles and solutions to like approach even one specific problem. Um, and just having that collaborative atmosphere where we're all just like working hard on one problem together is really exciting for me. And so remember that that's something that I elaborated on in my supplemental essay there. Um, but I also kind of shared tidbits about how, um, yeah, Princeton does have a really good math department and there are some like professors, especially doing the theoretical math research that I also was interested in. And so I kind of think had a nod to that. Um, but it was mostly focused on the the academic program, I think. Okay. Okay. And one thing I'm curious about, I kept wondering and I'm forgetting throughout this entire interview, but during the college process, and you mentioned earlier how with your public school, you went to Princeton. There were, like you said, a couple people went to Yale, but for the most part, a lot of people went to University of Georgia, University of Northern Georgia, something like that. 
So who was there to guide you throughout the process? Because you said your parents came here, so they weren't, they didn't go through the American process and you have a brother, but he's younger. So who was there to like help you through and say, this is what you should be including. You do not need to include this. Colleges like to see this. Who was there to tell you that? Yeah, I would say it was a lot of Google, um, but it was also the person in the grade above me who had gotten into Princeton. Um, but it was, but that was mostly in the sense of like her recommending that I get started on the essays as soon as possible. And um, it was more of like a timeline and like know what to do sort of thing. Um, I admit I'm a, like I said, I was, I used to be very shy and I'm, a relatively private person, I guess. Like, it's strange having other people read these essays that are about such personal moments in your life. Um, and I mean, yes, but they are supposed to be personal and they are really supposed to get at the deep parts of like what has made you who you are. And all of that to say that I was fairly hesitant about having other people review my essays. Um, but but a group of people I did share it with included some family friends that I had from back in New York. Um, they're technically my mom's family friends, but but they're relatively young, and so I consider them my friends. And they have gone. Uh, they're also Japanese, but they've gone through the American college application mm-hmm. process, and so they like reviewed all of my essays. And we had a couple calls that where we talked through sort of the essays that I had written and the content and messages I wanted to get across. Um, And with them, I went through a couple rounds of very serious revisions. Um, For just an example, I had written an essay about my interaction with like um, a science teacher I had in high school. And it was mostly about like me questioning um, sort of like how they delivered their content and, and how they treated calculations. I think I remember writing about being frustrated about how they put a lot of emphasis on getting calculations right, because I thought it was more about the substance and um, like the reasoning behind calculations rather than getting the actual numbers right. Are you talking about scientific notation or not scientific, significant figures? I think that was part of it, but it was like just in general, like with physics. Um, oh, physics. Okay. I was talking about chemistry. Yeah. My teacher really emphasizes significant figures. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, significant figures do end up being fairly important later on. Um, oh. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that initial draft I had written expressed, um, I was trying to use it to talk about how I appreciate thinking like more deeply and theoretically um, and getting at the substance of things. But the way I had written it, it came across as more of being like frustrated towards this teacher or like expressing more criticism in a way that wasn't really constructive. And so like talking through this with my family friend, we ended up scrapping this essay entirely and like trying a completely different moment um, to tell and so, yeah, I would say these family friends were really helpful in terms of reviewing the stories, but also sharing what it felt like to read the content, um, because it's, it is really important, like what the main takeaway is. And sometimes what you intend to get across isn't what the audience receives. So making sure those match up is key. 
So I think we've gone through most of the college application like parts and components. So let's go to the moment that you were accepted into Princeton. You know, when was it? Were you like, how, how did you react? Were you expecting an acceptance? Were you optimistic? Were you really nervous? Like, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to get in. So what was your reaction to it? Yeah, this this might actually feel a little silly, but um, first of all, I after I submitted the application, after I clicked that submit button, I... I really was trying not to think about it at all. Like either way, like I wasn't trying to think about what would happen. I was just trying to move on because whatever happened would happen and there was nothing I could do about it at that point. And so yeah, I submitted the application and it, I, I had applied early action. And so- Oh, you applied early, okay. Yes, um, yes. So when I got in though, I- I was in my room. Um, Wait, pause, 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 pause. Why did you, can you just quickly give the reasoning behind why you applied early? Because there's like a good reason to, but did you just say like, oh, sure. I might as well? Yeah, I I don't remember there being like super deep reasoning. I, I mean, out of, I mean, like I said, I hadn't been thinking about a long list of colleges and um, the other ones I was applying to. So this is mostly the University of Georgia. Um, they didn't have restrictions on like, like you could apply to UGA early and also apply to other colleges early. Mm -hmm. And in terms of other restrictions, yeah, there weren't any other schools that I like would really have wanted to go to at that point. Um, but Princeton was one I had been thinking about. So it was more of a why not Mm -hmm. than a why. Okay. Okay. So back to your reaction, back to your reaction. Yeah. So this was, I think, a Friday um, in my room. I was just about to go to a violin lesson. and But yeah, I had just enough time before I left the house to go check the results. Um, I had actually told my mom before then that the results wouldn't come out until that Sunday um, because that was one thing that I put thought into um, because I... I just like wanted some time to process it for myself regardless of what the results were. And so, yeah, so I checked the results right before heading off to the violin lesson. Um, And for Princeton, it's like they give you an orange tiger, I think at the top of your letter, if, um, if you've gotten in and this is all digital, of course. Um, Yeah. So I opened it and I also remember just being like, okay. (laughs) Like, yeah, I, I think I was in a bit of shock, but also just like it was a mixture of relief and I need to get to my violin lesson now. Um, I didn't give myself time and the space to like really, really be excited about it at that moment. Um, So anyway, I went to the violin lesson and but on the way back, my mom could sense that I knew something that she didn't. And so I told her. Um, later that night once we got home and, and, and she burst into tears, I think mostly of relief, but also happiness. And, and that was when it hit me too. That's it for part one of my interview with Mayu. Make sure to subscribe so you know when part two comes out. Check out my blog, collegerealitycheck.com. But other than that, I hope to see you in the next one.